Hi, and welcome to this episode of Our Guest Is, presented by My East Coast Experience Media in partnership with RBC. Our Guest Is introduces us to a resilient group of people, typically called immigrants, but probably best described as entrepreneurs, community builders, and survivors. In each episode, we'll hear all about their journey to Canada's East Coast in their own words. Today, our guest is James Mullinger, a 2022 honoree of the Most Inspiring Immigrants in Atlantic Canada Awards, a My East Coast Experience Media Initiative presented by RBC. Hi, James, and welcome. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So I just wanted to give a little bit of a background. I mean, you're a very busy guy, okay? So it's, well. it's kind of hard to give this like brief synopsis of your life and your life in St. John and, you know, even what you're getting up to now. Um, even actually last night, uh, looking at some of your announcements that you made online, I was like, I can't, I can't keep up with this guy. Okay, so what am I supposed to say? So a uh, very brief synopsis for people who are watching or listening. I mean, since you've come to the East Coast, since you've, uh, you know, made your home St. John, New Brunswick, you've launched a magazine, uh, Maritime Edit, sharing your love of small communities, especially in Atlantic Canada. You've got your second season of your show, um, Atlantic Edition. And uh, you're, you're, you've got your book. I mean, you, you just are doing this tour of this amazing book, Brit Happens. Uh, and then what the announcement was recently, um, you're working on a sitcom with Bell yeah. 5 TV. That's awesome. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's um, everything's kind of seems to be happening at once. But I mean, it, you know, there's that old cliche about, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I mean, I think, you know, part of it is that like, I, I, I obviously sometimes do get stressed. But everything I'm doing is things that I love. And it's also everything that I've, I've dreamed of doing since I was a, a kid that I never thought would be possible. And I, I honestly believe that, um, what made it happen in many ways was moving to Atlantic Canada, but specifically um, kind of being inspired by the way that East Coasters have this work ethic and this drive whereby everyone here kind of does a few different things and no one is ever pigeonholed. No one says that you're a I mean, and these are, this, is a, this is a very specific example, but it is a real one where it's uh, you, no one says you're uh, the deputy chief of police in a small town. Therefore, you mm. can't be the hottest wedding DJ in town. But in this case, <laughs> I, think that I know is, that guy. <laughs> yes, well, exactly, exactly. And there we go. Another thing I love about it here. Everyone knows everyone. And um, so I think I kind of just adopted what everyone else was doing here, which was that, you know, no one ever said that you because you're this, you can't do that. And in big mm. cities and certainly one from in London, people get pigeonholed. If you if you uh, if you're a journalist they say well you can't be a comedian which one are you you know uh and yet here you can you kind of dip your toes into lots of different things or indeed you know fully dive into lots of things and um and 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 make them all work and and i think you know there's many many reasons for this i mean obviously you know being able to kind of move around freely without kind of being stuck in traffic all the time is one yeah. of them um support of people here but but yeah i mean it's it's definitely a very busy time but it's but it's like basically all of my kind of dreams came true once i moved to this region and i wonder too as someone who you know spent most of her life in the east coast of mm. canada um i wonder if it's because we're so underpaid too that we can't we have to have a second job <laughs> yes we yes have to and, have a sidekick well yes and, and you're right and i mean ultimately that is the that is essentially where i think that work ethic came from which is that people did whatever they needed to do to yeah. survive now um of course i mean there's plenty of other places in the world that also have similar issues and that's not to, i'm not saying that all british people are lazy and that all <laughs> but 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 uh, and and but uh, but what i'm saying is is that you know it's, it's seemingly here there is definitely 
uh, a work ethic whereby, yeah. as you rightly say, you know, if, if, if one job isn't paying the bills, then people will take on a second and a third. And yes, I think that kind of that, 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 that case that's been 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 you know the way things are for so long has mm-hmm. kind of filtered into um i mean for example i mean adam lorden who i work with on both atlantic edition and now the sitcom he is uh, a, a, a well you know highly regarded and award-winning tv and film director mm-hmm. he's also the mayor of miramashi and he owns a brewery and um and 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 no one no one questions that it's just <laughs> the, the way it goes so i feel like yes it, it, that thing that was kind of born out of necessity has filtered into an entrepreneurial spirit which you know and i know from from listening to your amazing podcast you know from all the on, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that you speak to and immigrants that, that come here the one thing that everyone says is how welcoming everyone is here and how uh, supportive and I think that was one of the things that you know the things that I was saying I was going to do like when I moved here and said I'm going to continue my comedy career I mean yes there were people in New Brunswick that said that's that will not you can't be a comedian here like you need to go <laughs> to Montreal or uh, or Toronto to do that but even though they were not they were being negative they were trying to be realistic but they did say, what can we do to help? And similarly, when we said we were starting a print magazine out of our home, celebrating the East Coast in 2017 and, and selling it nationally, some people would say that's crazy. And some people did say that. But but what everyone also said is, how can we help and how can we support this? And I think, again, that is an intrinsically East Coast thing. Yeah. And ultimately, it promotes us. And I sometimes wonder, too, if we want to still keep this part of Canada a big secret. And we don't right. want people to read a magazine and see nice pictures of us. <laughs> well, 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 it's a good point. And, and it's funny. Yeah. I mean, in the last two years, we really saw that. You know, when you think for the last however many years, we've been desperate for population growth yeah. here. And and suddenly now, you know, people are kind of saying, oh, my goodness, everyone from Ontario has come. And now the yeah. property taxes are going up. <laughs> um, and uh, But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's nice to be a secret. It's also nice to be appreciated. Exactly. So why don't we go back to uh, the beginning? I mean, tell us about your journey, not only to Canada, but St. John, New Brunswick. Yes. So my my wife's from this area. We had uh, met in England in the year 2000. She had she'd grown up here, had a wonderful upbringing here. Uh, her, her love of magazines was born out of buying copies of her mum, buying copies of Vogue for her at the local co-op. She put on a, a fashion show at St. John High. And uh, and then when, as soon as she was old enough, I think 17 or 18, she moved to Toronto. She worked for a, a fashion agency there that looked after Calvin Klein and Armani. And she was there for about six years before moving to, to London. And again, I mean, she brought a, a maritime's work ethic. I mean, what we just described, you know, her, her parents have always done whatever it takes mm-hmm. uh, to, to support the family. And if that meant doing three jobs, if that meant opening a body shop in the yard, whatever it took, they, they did it. So she came to London with that work ethic. And quite interestingly, um, in the year 2000, she arrived in, in 2000, within three months, had a job as a sales executive for Vanity Fair, which had pretty much just stemmed from knocking on doors, going out wow. and, and and turning up with CVs. Again, the old school system, yeah. printed paper. I mean, arguably <laughs> still the way to go. Yeah. And, um, and uh, on her first day, you know, they kind of gave her a list of advertisers to contact and she sat and, and they phoned everyone on the list, which was like 250 names. And they asked at the end of the day, how many she'd done, expecting it to be 20 or 30, which was apparently the record. And she'd done all of them. And I think that that was a, a, you know, an Atlantic Canadian work ethic coming to London. And, uh, and so she rose up through the ranks of, of, of magazine publishing very, very quickly. Um, 
in London. And uh, we were then we were there together for 14 years, both working for magazines. I was touring as a stand up. So you had mentioned before that you wanted to move back to St. John in New Brunswick for um, a better way of life. And um, when I was watching uh, your show, um, Atlantic Edition, you had a conversation with Maestro Fresh Wes, and he had the same outlook on why he moved to New Brunswick. And I didn't even know he moved to New Brunswick. I mean, I thought he was like true and true, you know, Toronto artist. Mm -hmm. And here he is, you know, he's in radio and in New Brunswick. So you kind of had that in common with someone that maybe you never heard of when you were growing up in London. <laughs> yeah, well, true. But then I guess, and I guess conversely, you know, my wife was a huge Maestro Fresh West yeah. fan, you know, like, I mean, you know, when she graduated from St. John High, you know, uh, Let Your Backbone Slide yeah. was the song of the, and I mean, it, it, it's still <laughs> an absolute classic. I mean, when we were actually filming that episode of Atlantic Edition and walking through King's Square in St. John, you know, we kept having to do retakes because every single time we started talking and filming, people in the background would see him and start blasting out uh, backbone slide from their phone and of course I mean it's a beautiful thing and of course we all loved it yeah. um but yeah it's it's interesting meeting so many people that are discovering that you can continue your career in a, a smaller place or indeed in a region which isn't known for a thing and in many ways you can you can carve your own path I mean I feel like you know, in, in bigger cities, people say, you know, if you're a comedian or a rapper, you need to do things a certain way. You need to play this venue or do this gig. Um, Marshall and I kind of did the same thing coming to St. John, where we just basically arrived and just started do, doing shows. And of course, I mean, he arrived here already as a bona fide legend. I mean, everyone knows him and everyone loves him. Um, and so he was just able to kind of but his work that he was doing from before continued. And of course, when he needs to do the Junos or a huge venue, he just goes back to Ontario or wherever yeah. else he used to travel to. Like it doesn't make a... Uh, a difference, you know, in, in that regard. Whereas, yes, I mean, I was arriving, obviously, and no one had heard of me. Uh, I was literally kind of starting over. Um, but ultimately, it was a, a, just a case of going out and doing work and treating it the same way anyone else would in any other industry. You know, if you're a plumber and you start a plumbing firm, you go out and do jobs and if people like them, they tell people. Uh, if you do a bad job, then they also tell people. And that's another reason why I feel like this very organic approach on the east coast of Canada, because it is smaller and the population is 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 less, mm -hmm. it means that people kind of almost have to perform better at every job they do. Because if you mess it up, everyone hears about it. And not that I was kind of not taking my comedy career seriously in England, but equally, you have a bad gig in the middle of nowhere in the, in the UK. I mean, no one hears about it. If I have a bad gig in St. John, everyone's going to hear about it. Right. So um, <laughs> uh, I really go into every single show with that in mind. And uh, yeah, just basically went out and, and, and found work through that word of mouth. Yeah, and it, it obviously worked because, and I, I question how you may have felt about this, because I know Jerry Seinfeld's one of your idols, um, but at the Harbor Station Arena in St. John, you sold more tickets then he did. And then you, what, broke your own record the second time, right? Yeah. I mean, and obviously there, there's many caveats to it. I mean, obviously this was just, you know, twice in my home city. I had the, obviously had the hometown advantage. Um, obviously we were doing, you know, I was donating uh, tickets to local charities for them to either invite, uh, you know, uh, benefactors or indeed people that supported them. Um, but yes, in terms of bums on seats, I had, I had more bums on seats, which, uh, 
was a lovely thing, but, but totally testament to yeah. this city and this region getting behind, you know, I'm, I'm an immigrant that moves here in 2014 and within two years um, of arriving and everyone saying to me, oh, you can't make a living as a comedian. And then suddenly within two years to have that many people in the room, it, it was testament to the way that people want to get behind uh, the, the, the crazy ideas of, of, of newcomers. And I, I really, really valued it. I mean, those two experiences were two of the highlights of my life and career. And it felt so important to do because, like I say, so many people told me that I wouldn't be able to make a living as a comedian here. And what I wanted to do was to come here and not only continue what I'd done in England, but no, I knew that if I filled a venue that big, then I was exceeding what I could have done in England. And I think that that is a, 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 it's one of those things that I'd love to kind of just put out there that people can not only come here and continue what they do, but they can uh, you know, take it to whole new heights. Um, mm -hmm. Thanks to the fact that it's, this very simple organic approach and Seinfeld's uh, manager actually very uh, graciously wrote to uh, congratulate me the day after um, oh, wow. um, and it was I mean a wonderful moment and he said how did you do it and I just said well <laughs> did you have Jerry on the ground for three months before his show handing out flyers at every <laughs> farmer's market children's yeah. play park uh, church gathering I'm gonna about, say no <laughs> yeah no no exactly and so that's how I did it that that's, yeah. that was how it Oh, wow, you're really adopting that uh, maritime work ethic then. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. I mean, that's totally it. It's, it's like when, you know, as performers, we occasionally do fringe festivals. And yeah. with a fringe festival, you arrive in a city, you're doing two shows a day for a week, and you go out and you hand out flies to everyone. You see everyone you talk to in the, in the laundrette or the pub. Uh, you tell about the show. Basically, my life is a fringe. I, I, I have to, you know, there's no, I have no publicist. I have no one else doing the work for me. No way. Um, I, I, I do it all. I literally, oh, wow. it, 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 it's all self. But, um, but I, the way I see it really is it's, is it's, like I say, it's a natural grassroots thing. And yeah. I, I can't, the way I see it, if people enjoy it, they'll come again. Um, it's amazing to me too to read that you've raised over a hundred thousand dollars for local charities for Canadian charities so how important is it to you to give back to the community you live in yeah I mean hugely I mean again partly because of the fact that that is what people do here and that's why we we kind of uprooted our lives I mean you know to make a decision like that is a, is a huge one you know it's people say the most stressful thing in life is changing jobs moving house or having a baby and we did all three and moved countries at the same time but uh the, the, we did all of that and went to all of that kind of stress and strife because we wanted our kids to grow up in a place with a sense of community and so to come here where everyone is involved in some capacity in a non-profit or a charity um and i mean that's it i, mean, I did always do fundraising in the uk and i did a lot of volunteer work there as well but coming here definitely motivated me to to do more and I mean, certainly in the case of, of domestic violence charities where, you know, we do live in a, in, in a, in a very, I mean, safe place to live. The, the Maritimes in Atlantic Canada as a whole is a very, very safe mm -hmm. uh, place comparatively to the rest of the world. But a fact that is often not acknowledged is the high proportion of domestic violence uh, uh, that we have here. And so that was something that I began. I've always worked with domestic violence charities back in the UK um, and wanted to, to continue that work. And really fundraising is, is easier here because people uh we'll get behind it and when i announced my first of i think it was five years in a row we did shows for kv domestic violence outreach um you know people just getting in touch to say can we help and that wasn't mm -hmm. something that happened in london when i announced a fundraiser oh really wow so what would your younger self think about your life in canada it's an excellent question i mean i think 
the teenage me was right. I mean, I read the when I was researching my memoir, I was reading all my teenage diaries, and 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 all of them kind of said, you know, what you know, I want to work in magazines and I want to be a comedian. Which one should I pursue? And I don't think I would ever, in a million years, have thought I'd be lucky enough to do both. Plus, you know, have a sitcom on the go and all of these other things. Um, but I uh, equally, and this was one of the things I kind of focused on with the book because when you're writing a memoir, it's quite hard to decide what to put in and what to leave out. Mm-hmm. And and really what I decided to focus on in my childhood and, and indeed years before coming here was I really wanted to focus on the things that I think made me fall in love with Atlantic Canada. So therefore, you know, uh, I grew up in a, in a in a small town where there wasn't much to do. You know, to come to a small towns like 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 all of the ones in Atlantic Canada, where you know, no matter how small they are, there are there are community theaters, yeah. th- theaters. There are sporting events. There were so many things going on, and that wasn't the case where I grew up. So, um, I to, to answer your question, and again, I mean, it's it, it's a tricky one because a fifteen year old me also want, you know wanted to the the bright lights in the big city, mm-hmm. and and I mean, I lived that, and it and, and it was fun in my twenties, but not so fun in your thirties when you know, you're wanting to be with your, your your kids at home and you can't be because you're working late or doing whatever it takes to, to survive. But um, I think the childhood me, it would be utterly delighted that basically all, all of my dreams came true thanks to moving here. And I mean, there's a, there's a line in The Sopranos where Tony Soprano tries to get out of uh, supporting the relocation of a slain mobster's wife. And he says, uh, there isn't a geographical solution to an emotional problem. And I, I think that's nonsense. I think there is if you move to Atlantic Canada. <laughs> Yeah, who needs to listen to The Sopranos anyway, right? Exactly. He's not the greatest advice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who wants to take advice from a mob boss? I don't know if it worked out boss. for him, right? It just kind of went black at the it end. Went, exactly, that's alert. it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were in the UK, you wrote a movie telling the story of your rise to where you are now. I mean, at least by 2015 for yourself. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, looking at the cast list, I saw Gilbert Gottfried was yes. on there. Um, so, you know, I don't know uh, if there's any stories you can tell. I mean, he's, uh, you know, obviously he has passed on and, yeah. and there was all these great stories uh, that people were telling that have worked with him in the past. And all I want to know is, did he sound like that in real life? <laughs> totally. And and acts it. And I mean, it's it's fascinating because there are some, there are lots of comedians that are nothing like how they are on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, there are, and of course, I mean, as human beings, we're all different in different situations anyway. But um, I think people are often surprised. I mean, there's, there's times that I can be like I'm on stage uh, and be kind of on, but for the most part, I'm really quite boring. And this is the, it's one of the reasons why when I do corporate gigs and they say, you know, will you sit at the head table with the CEO? And I'm like, Ooh. it's best for everyone <laughs> if I don't, because I, uh, because I mean, what I do up there, I've, I've honed and worked on and I, I, you know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't think I was good at it, but, but um, I'm not going to be entertaining the table as, as, as well. I'm going to be a real, you know, uh, joy sucker from the, from the, so just yeah. let me do my thing. <laughs> Um, but um, and then there's some comedians that are two on all the time and some comedians where you're in a dressing room with them and it's exhausting and you're thinking, just shut up and save it for the stage. Like, stop trying to make everyone. Um, that's it. Gilbert Gottfried was kind of exactly as he is on stage, but in, in the most brilliant, hilarious way. And I mean, those scenes. Uh, so the, the premise of the film was essentially about my early years in, in stand up when I still had a job at GQ. But so was 
you know, interviewing comedy heroes during the day, but mm-hmm. then at night traveling across the UK to, to perform to five people and get booed off stage and then sleep on a, on a, on a station platform after missing the last train home. I mean, that's literally what I went through night after night. And all of this yeah. is obviously now in the memoir as well. Um, but so the, it was about the kind of bizarre dichotomy between, you know, spend an afternoon with Amy Schumer and she says, hey, do you want to hang out after? And I'm like, oh, I can't. I've got to go and get booed off in, in, in a five hour train ride away. And um, so in the film, we, we, we the, the, the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival were very kind to let us come in and film a place where I had previously interviewed comedians as myself. So James Buckley from The Inbetweeners in the movie plays me. Um, so this was very surreal. We are in the same room that I interviewed a lot of these comedians in two years later. And, uh, and, and there's a guy sat there playing me interviewing these same people and they're all in character but of course oh there's a plot gosh. built in um and it was quite a weird one because essentially we were it was it, w- it was slightly bowfingerish in that we were uh, uh, ask approaching these comedians and saying there's an actor playing me sitting in a chair you just need to come in and improvise now yeah. some comedians got it Gilbert Gottfried absolutely nailed it. And the premise was, was that he, i.e. me, was desperately trying to bribe them with kind of magazine coverage in the exchange for opening for them. I mean, that's not something I did, but, um, but you know, I mean, and most of what happens in the film is, is fictional. For example, I mean, I, I did not pee myself on stage. Uh, that happens. Yet. Uh, yeah, yet, yes, yes. Anything can happen in this game. Right? Uh, anything can happen. And, um, but Gilbert Gottfried came in, uh, sat down and just absolutely, you know, knocked it out of the park. And yeah, uh, yeah it was brilliant to watch, a masterclass. Gilbert Gottfried on the cover of GQ. I don't know. About that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stretch. <laughs> I'm sure you would have appreciated it. Yeah. Is there something that you would change about your journey to Atlantic Canada? Something, you know, you could go back and do it all over again? Um, that's an excellent question. I mean, I think I've, I mean, I would like to, you know, like a lot of the time when I think, when I talk about how every dream came true here, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, do you wish you'd done it sooner? And it's like, well, 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 probably not because the timing was just right. And I mean, it really was just right Mm -hmm. in that we were, you know, pre-Brexit, pre-pandemic. I mean, I mean, you know, really, we we did pick the right time. And I look back, I don't know how we had the, I I mean, I I can't even say strength because in many ways it is stupidity. Like we are both... In extremely good jobs with I've spent years building up my stand-up career to get to a certain point things are finally going well um and and obviously I mean by going well I mean on paper uh, as a you know granted our quality of life wasn't there but we both had great jobs with great benefits um so to suddenly give up jobs that are very secure to leave your home country and then move to a place where we had no jobs waiting for us here no contacts yeah. and everyone here is telling us that, that it won't work out for us if we come here so I mean I mean again it sounds like it's stupidity but I guess it is testament to a how much I wanted my children to have an upbringing uh, in a place like this with a sense yeah. of community but also um just how burnt out we were um looking back I mean mistakes I've made I've, I've probably made mistakes since coming here um but equally I've, they're all things i've learned from i mean there are certain one of the things that i focus on so much with with my kind of stand-up career here is i spend more time obviously thinking about what not to do than to do and as a result probably turn down maybe 90 percent of things that come to me based on the fact that 
you, you don't want to become overexposed. You don't want people to yeah. get sick of you. You don't want to be the guy that every time you turn up at the opening of something, he's the one there either, you know, standing there <laughs> plying his boring old jokes again. Uh, so, so there's certain big, there's certain events and, and gigs and things that I have done in the past uh, that were very high profile that I now regret doing but equally I learned my lesson and now I have a very strict policy which is that I don't do shows that aren't me doing what I do what I mm -hmm. stand up well there's no point having me at a sporting event or a uh, a music event or right. you know um let musicians do their thing let the sportsmen do their thing uh, uh, I, I would rather be in my own forum doing the thing that I do and I feel like that basically because it gives the best possible um experience for the audience and and i'm not adding anything at a sporting event they're the stars uh so let them do what them they do and, and i'll do what i do so what do you think and i, I know you're not going to say anything mean about this but what do you think about comedians in this part of canada oh i, I mean i mean there's the thing is there's an amazing scene here now and i mean yeah. there's and I, and I write a lot about this in the book and there was an amazing um comedian uh who was one of my one of my best friends in the world who was who lived in sussex a gentleman by the name of lloyd raven uh who tragically passed uh, a couple of years ago and there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of tributes to him in the book based on the fact that he essentially created comedy in this region and he started a company called the bay of funny uh so in the year 2009 when i did a show with him in sussex new brunswick and uh two other comedians neil mundle and uh, neil mundle and shane ogden uh, at that point, there were three comedians in the entire province of New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. And so probably across, uh, you know, if we go, or, I mean, there was a burgeoning scene in Atlantic, uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador, of course, and has been mm -hmm. for many years. But um, but certainly in New Brunswick, there was there was three. And now there's more than 50. And and the amazing thing is, is that you look at, I mean, you look at Nova Scotia, not only are there some of the best comedians in the country there, Dan Hendrickson and, and Travis Lindsay, uh, you know, so many, in addition to obviously this hour's 22 minutes, mm -hmm. um, there's also comedians like Claire Belford who are who are not from the region but who have moved here. Um, I, I'm not, I, I don't know if she would describe it as a career move, but the fact is that she's one of the hot, hot, hottest tipped uh, comedians in the country, uh, performing all the big festivals, but as choosing to live in Halifax, Nova Scotia for presumably, and again, I don't want to speak on her behalf, but you know, quality of life and also the opportunities that are here. Uh, mm -hmm. Peter Anthony being another one who just hosted the Royal Tattoo. Um, and I think that's the thing that's really changing and that makes me so happy is seeing organizations like the Royal Tattoo see that, uh, that, that comedians, um, comedians can be uh, multifaceted and, oh, and yeah. I think in the past you know maybe they've been um, pigeonholed or people have been scared of the kind of truth to power thing uh, so it's wonderful to see but yeah I mean the, re the I think the, the comedy industry in Atlantic Canada has never been uh, never been healthier yeah no that's uh, yeah good point too and uh, before you know you gave us some advice from the Sopranos which probably wasn't the best advice uh, <laughs> or the best you know route of an advice yeah. but do you have any advice to give not only to maybe a comedian you know born and raised in Canada or thinking about moving to Canada but mm -hmm. even just people who want to move to Canada in general yeah I mean I think the, the the best thing that I can say is is that you will not find another country in the world more welcoming to newcomers uh, outsiders immigrants uh it's it, it's truly remarkable I mean for me the year that I moved here uh was the same was the year of 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 you know of all of the terrible things that were happening in the world and to come here and see British politicians you know, saying, trying to get votes by saying that they would not let Syrian refugees into the country and this kind of, mm. you know, 
horrible rhetoric that that uh, ultimately kind of also led led into Brexit. There's this kind of very you know very much like what happened with with Trumpism in the states, and then to move to a country which is the second biggest country in the world, but still feels like a small community in so mm-hmm. many ways. In that wherever you travel in Canada, people are looking out for you. But also uh, to move to a country where the prime minister and indeed all, all politicians were welcoming refugees with open arms, yeah. and then obviously hearing the you know the the Tarek Haddad story, which um, uh, you know and and I mean just the most inspiring incredible thing and of course the family is incredibly is incredible and and inspiring but as they will tell you um it was the way they were welcomed here that helped them kind of do what they do and i i i I truly think that if you are looking for a a change or indeed looking to start a business or indeed just to move to a place where you're going to be around people that have your best interests at heart uh, there is no better place in the world to look than canada well, thanks you. Thanks so much, James. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Our Guest Is. And we'll be back in two weeks, joined by another very special guest. If you don't want to miss an episode, make sure you subscribe. You can find us on myeastcoastexperience.com, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, and YouTube. Plus, you can follow My East Coast Experience online on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you can join us for our next episode.